And what is up, everybody? We are in live stream number 100. That is correct. Not 99, not 98. We are in live stream 100, the data on Kubernetes community. Extremely excited to be here today to celebrate our 100th live stream. We all have some special things happening this week, some special announcements, some, some live music that we're going to be having uh, given to us later this week. Maserati was not available to make it today uh, for today's live stream, but we will be hearing from him later this week, as well as a couple of other surprises. Uh, so stay tuned for that. As usual, we will do a Twitter Spaces on Friday. Um, so we'll be doing that, bringing in some of our members. We're going to have a little bit of an update. Well, a little quick lightning talk about the history of data. Um, so Jeff, definitely check us out on Twitter uh, if you want to find out more about that uh, as it gets closer to, uh, to Friday. Um, but always looking forward to, to get new folks involved, hear some feedback, share stories, and of course, have a good time together. So we've done 100 live streams. You've probably seen on YouTube. And by the way, if you're not already subscribed on YouTube, hit that subscribe button right now. We always need more subscribers. Um, but like I said, you can check out all the content that we've been making over uh, the last year and two months. So just telling Sanjeev, it's been about a year, two, three months. And you know we've done a little bit of everything. We've had fireside chats. We've had deep, deep technical dives. We've had hands-on labs. If you have any ideas about something that you would like to see in particular, some topic that you would like to know more about, as long as it relates to running data on Kubernetes, of course you can ask us, right? So feel free to reach out in Slack. You always have the Slack link readily available in the description of the video, so very easy to find. Um, that being said, one of the things that we've learned since we've started the data on Kubernetes community is that data is a very delicate thing, which is why when vendors uh, go out to end users, going out to customers and are talking about, hey, maybe you should consider running your data on Kubernetes, sometimes there's a little bit of reluctance, you know, people are a little bit of hesitation. They say, well, what happens if, if I lose my data? And that's exactly where today's topic comes in for talking about backup and restore, which is why we are gonna be in the very capable hands of Sanjeev, who's gonna be telling us about CAPE, um, an open source tool that makes backup and restore easier. But before we get into that, Sanjeev, welcome to the Data on Kubernetes community. Can you just tell us a little bit about your background and how you got into the position that you're in today? Sure, uh, wanna, before I start, I wanna uh, congratulate you and the doc community for uh, the 100th session today. And it's, it's a big uh, milestone for sure. And wanna congratulate all the panelists, all the uh, community members for uh, openly contributing and uh, also helping the community to, to grow. By the way, I am Sanjeev Ganjihal. I'm currently working at AWS uh, and I've been with Kubernetes space for more than five years now. And uh, a small fact about me, I'm the hundredth person who got certified, uh, CKA certified back in November, 2017. And uh, I've been helping a lot of enterprise organizations adopt Kubernetes and it's not just Kubernetes, but again, cloud native technologies working on infrastructure automation, DevOps, CICD, uh, service mesh containers. Uh, and in the current role, uh, I'm helping AWS's customers uh, pick the right AWS container services and not just AWS container services, but also focus on open source, open source technologies as well. So I've been uh, helping customers uh, grow their container adoption. And again, use the right technologies, use the right architecture patterns to uh, implement Kubernetes at scale and deploy containers at scale. So that's a bit, of, bit about uh, myself and uh, what I've been doing so far. That's great. And now it seems that 100 is a very auspicious and special number, given the fact that you are the 100th person to get that certification. 
when you got that, you know, because that's the thing, it's not super common to have somebody in our live streams talking about five years of, you know, Kubernetes experience, the evolution that you've seen those five years, and obviously, you know, in our community, once again, talk about writing stateful workloads on Kubernetes. If you, you know, given the five years of activity, activity that you've seen, what are some things that you might say that you've noticed over the course of that time about how things are changing, particularly when it comes to data management? Absolutely. I think uh, I've seen a tremendous shift, especially running uh, persistent workloads or running databases or any workload that needs persistent on Kubernetes. I've, uh, I've seen a tremendous shift. And again, there's a lot of new players coming in the industry, focusing majorly on uh, running data uh, on Kubernetes. And there are a lot of uh, solutions available now out there. But what I feel is, again, we are still early, uh, even though we have uh, reached a certain maturity level, uh, but I still feel there are a lot of use cases where uh, customers can benefit and uh, the, the solutions that we have in the market today can uh, give more uh, features for the customers and help them uh, run their data workloads on Kubernetes. Again, it, it's all about confidence because uh, majorly, enterprise customers, what they look for is, if I run data on Kubernetes, uh, what, what about backup? What about restore? What about disaster recovery? So there are a lot of questions the customers always ask, and uh, they always have this question. Kubernetes is a single tenant orchestrator, and uh, what if the control plane is down? What if Kubernetes is down? What about my data? What what about my workload? So they always have these questions and we have started seeing a tremendous shift where we have started exploring application networking solutions like service meshes, talking about multi-cluster, talking about uh, having some advanced data workloads, running big data applications, running artificial intelligence, machine learning applications on Kubernetes. So we are seeing a lot of growth in that area. But again, it'll take some more time for uh, everything to uh, settle in it. And again, we need some uh, strong open source use cases that cover all the features. Right now we are, I would say 75% of the features that are available today. If I talk about OpenEBS, if I talk about Portworks, Rook, Ceph, a lot of solutions are out there for uh, persistent storage. But again, uh, it's it's, it, it needs some more maturity is what I feel. Uh, but but what, what we had five years before where we were running just the stateless applications on Kubernetes and whenever uh, customers used to ask, hey, can I run stateful workloads? Yes, we have stateful sets running on Kubernetes, but is it, is it perfect? Is it, is it the best choice or best way to run? Uh, yes, I mean, there are a lot of uh, ifs and no's about running stateful set on Kubernetes, but today, with Portworks, with Open Open EBS, and other storage orchestration solutions, it has made the job of uh, site reliability engineers or DevOps engineers or system administrators to confidently run uh, stateful workloads on Kubernetes because what they're doing is they're orchestrating the storage requirements and providing the platform, the storage layer to uh, applications running on Kubernetes. So uh, definitely it has matured a lot, but, but as I said, some more uh, growth is needed in this space. Completely agree. It's nice to hear from you as well to echo the same things that we found in our research report. We interviewed over 500 different organizations to see what their opinions were about that matter. And while, as you rightfully mentioned, that when we talk about you know, the core of this, when we talk about you know, OpenEBS, uh, Portworx, Rook, Ceph, et cetera, 
you know, the sort of foundation is in storage, but then we start branching out into other areas such as AI, machine learning, uh, data streaming, other areas like that. Um, so just for folks, if you haven't seen the research report that we that we launched in October, some of the very things that Sanjay was just mentioning um, are in there. You can download it for free. It's on our website. Um, so please take a look at that. There's a lot of interesting findings there that I think are going to be helping to show us the next steps that we'll be seeing in the coming months uh, to the you know next couple of years. That being said, I don't want to take any more of your time, Sanjeev. So if you want to share your screen, jump right into your presentation. Folks, as usual in the audience, leave your questions in YouTube, and we'll be happy to answer them live. If not, we can always continue the conversation in Slack. So Sanjeev, whenever you're ready. Absolutely. Give me just a second. Yep. Not a problem. Uh, okay. Uh, looks like a small uh, problem, but I think uh, that's okay. That's what makes this exciting in, in live stream number 100. I have to say, in 100 live streams, we've seen it all. We've had Amazon delivery folks. It's not, no, not just because you work in AWS. <laughs> we've had Amazon delivery folks appear. We've had children. We've had dogs. We've had cats. We've had just about everything. Um, we had a talking about disaster, you know, backup and backup and restore. In a, in a live stream that we did with a great SRE named Yuri from Google, big shout out to him, talking about, um, you know, kind of uh, SLAs and SLOs and different kind of alerts that you have to set up. While we were talking about that, all of a sudden I was in Madrid at a friend's house and the internet crashed. Um, so right as we were talking about, you know, alerts and when things go wrong, <laughs> something very much went wrong, I switched to a hotspot on my phone and everything worked out fine. So anyway, we're very accustomed to being flexible, um, but let's jump right into Cape. Let's hear more about it. Absolutely. Uh, let me know if you can see my screen. Yep, looks great. Perfect. So I'm here uh, today uh, to talk about CAPE. Again, I came across this solution. Uh, I felt this is definitely a game changer. Uh, again, every tool out there in the cloud native sp uh, space has some pros and cons. Every tool uh, will not give you that 100% uh, feature parity or all the capabilities, but uh, what Cape has done today is tremendous. Again, it has taken whatever the open source solutions that we have available today and then enhanced some of the features. Uh, but in a nutshell, uh, I'll, I'll be talking about Cape today, uh, covering uh, some use cases, some features, and quickly do a demo where I will uh, uh, install Postgres and again, uh, basically delete Postgres running on one of the clusters and uh, quickly restore to whatever state it was. So I'll, I'll be working on that today. And uh, the agenda is pretty straightforward, just covering what CAPE uh, is and uh, covering some slides and then jumping directly onto the demo. Uh, it's, it's, it's a simple tool uh, for all your multi-cluster application deployment and data management needs. And uh, before I jump into CAPE, again, just want to cover some challenges that we have today for persistent storage for containers. Again, we, uh, I mean, not every customer is running their workloads, container workloads on, on the cloud, uh, be it AWS, GCP, or Azure, or even Oracle, or Alibaba. So there are different cloud providers available out there. So not everyone is running on cloud. They still have some on-premise presence where they're relying heavily on traditional storage solutions. 
But uh, for the, the main challenges that I've personally seen, uh, especially for persistent storage is the traditional storage solutions are mapped to either a single host or a cluster. If you're running uh, a SAN or a, a virtualized storage network within your on-premise uh, environments, it's directly mapped to that host or a cluster. And uh, it's, it's not easy to assign the same storage to different workloads. Again, containerized workloads are ephemeral. They come and they go, and uh, especially for workloads that needs persistent storage, you need that dynamic uh, provisioning and allocation of storage. That is not possible with traditional storage. I mean, even though uh, the traditional storage solutions, they have kind of adapted and enhanced their current solutions to uh, support containers, but still uh, it's, it's not a direct direct-to-direct direct, uh, mapping or uh, from a feature perspective, it's not as mature as uh, what it should be. Uh, that's, that's one of uh, the challenges that I've seen. Again, uh, these storage products, they lack container native data services. Again, they're good, they work for, uh, for virtual machines, uh, but again, when it comes to container workloads, they're not that uh, great. And there's no workload mobility. Again, there's a lot of manual effort involved, uh, especially when I'm uh, when I'm running different workloads, and I need I have different storage requirements for uh, each application. So uh, with traditional storage solutions that I have, I don't get that workload mobility. And when I look at data redu reduction in availability mechanisms in the current traditional storage options, I don't I don't have that. Uh, when I say data reduction, I'm, I'm talking about deduplication, compression, thin provisioning, a lot of solutions uh, in, the, in the data reduction space, I don't have uh, them available for uh, containers natively. And, and all these storage solutions, traditional storage solutions that we have, they're not scalable for Kubernetes and they're not scalable for container workloads. So these are the common challenges where uh, enterprises are struggling. And when we ask enterprises, hey, what are your common problems? Why don't you run uh, stateful workloads on Kubernetes? And they say, we have so-and-so challenges running uh, data-specific workloads on Kubernetes. And again, data management being a big problem, persistent storage being a big problem, disaster recovery, backup resource. These are some common uh, problems where customers tell these are the barriers for uh, limiting the container adoption as well. If you see not all customers have migrated from monolithic to microservices and adopting containers, uh, big, big organizations are still relying on traditional VMs to run their applications, but not taking the benefits of agility, uh, the release uh, aspects of containers and uh, improving the developer productivity as well. So, uh, these are some of the reasons why customers always feel uh, it's a challenge to run uh, data workloads on, on Kubernetes or containers per se. And uh, do we say it's, it's a data problem in Kubernetes? No, it's, it's, it's containers, uh, they're ephemeral, they come and go in uh, these uh, traditional uh, solutions. Uh, they're very slow uh, and they're not suitable for current orchestration platforms. There is no application awareness today uh, with the traditional solutions. And Kubernetes here is mainly solving application orchestration problem. But when it comes to a lot of data aspects where I want container granularity, especially with provisioning my persistent volumes, looking at the availability of storage, encryption, security, backup, restore, 
Uh, what about disaster recovery and providing that centralized storage for my orchestration platform? I, I have solutions today, but again, uh, there's uh, these solutions still uh, provide few features like uh, backup restore, uh, disaster recovery, and some of them provide storage monitoring and management, but there is no one tool that fills all the gaps today. And Kubernetes is mainly solving the orchestration problem, but not the data problem. And uh, before I uh, jump on, uh, just, just want to talk about CAPE. Again, CAPE is basically, uh, I, I would just say uh, it's a superhero. Uh, again, uh, I, I don't, I'm not sure why this is not, uh, not yet popular. Again, it has community version and also the paid version, but again, uh, community version, customers running uh, small clusters can definitely benefit with CAPE. Uh, it solves your application data management problems. And again, it supports multi-cluster natively, uses KubeFed for federating multiple clusters. Uh, and uh, what it is doing is it is basically abstracting and automat automating your critical functionality, especially dealing with multi-cluster application deployments, data management across multiple clusters. So CAPE in a nutshell is clusters across platforms and environments. So if, if you ask me, how should I abbreviate? It's just clusters across platforms and environments. And why CAPE is popular? Uh, again, uh, it's it supports a lot of Kubernetes platforms. If you're running on managed Kubernetes uh, cloud, cloud provider, managed Kubernetes offerings, whether it is EKS, AKS, GKE, or running even Oracle Kubernetes, it supports OpenShift, it supports Rancher. Even if you want to run it on uh, on-premise environments where you have your own uh, data centers, you're running Kubernetes there, you can uh, leverage CAPE for application data management and uh, even, even application deployment. And it supports a lot of uh, storage uh, backends. Again, S3, uh, Google Cloud Storage, you have Azure Disk, uh, Azure Storage supports Minio, uh, you have Restic, uh, and, and, and it is uh, backed by CSI. So everything is a CSI specification. And uh, again, CAPE is easier to uh, install. Uh, you can pretty much use Helm charts. We have operators, uh, we have customized. You can use customized to uh, install CAPE. And again, for application deployment, uh, you can pretty much use native YAML manifests, Helm charts, customize uh, any operators that you have. It, CAPE supports uh, all those aspects as well. And uh, I'll be talking about features uh, in the next slide, but again, uh, the major uh, key, key differentiator, what I see is the rich UI. Again, it uses Project Velero in the backend. Uh, I'll talk about that in the next few slides. It is, it is mainly helping developers uh, with no experience in Kubernetes, no experience in backup restore. It's making the job of developers or even administrators to just go, go into the UI and uh, click some buttons for backup restore for application deployments, making it easier uh, to just do everything from the UI. And it's very easy to use uh, and it is cloud and environment agnostic. Uh, you don't have to uh, have a vendor locking or anything of that sort. So uh, you can run CAPE on uh, any platform today. 
And some features uh, I, I quickly wanted to talk about is disaster recovery. Again, uh, if you're running stateful applications, uh, you want you definitely want to look at backup and restore solutions. So Cape offers disaster recovery. You uh, offers data mobility and migration as well. Uh, if you have any requirements where you want to migrate from on-premise to cloud or cloud to on-premise, uh, you can uh, easily do that with Cape. And uh, supports multi-cluster application deployment. Again, it uses KubeFed in the backend for uh, connecting uh, multiple Kubernetes clusters. And uh, you can deploy applications easily using uh, Cape. And again, uh, they're working on a CI CD workflow manager. I think that is still in development, but uh, that's something that is coming out soon. And again, Cape is uh, managed by a Singapore based company called BigMind. Uh, they've open source community version and they also have uh, a support version where uh, you pay for, uh, you pay monthly for certain nodes and you get uh, all the features available out of the box. In some use cases, again, uh, Kubernetes natively, uh, we do not see uh, any native backup restore options. Uh, again, we have to rely on Project Valero uh, for uh, backup restore, for disaster recovery, for data movement between clusters. So uh, we don't have anything that comes uh, by native uh, on your Kubernetes platforms. So CAPE is basically facilitating your stateful application backup and restore. And again, with uh, CAPE, again, you can, uh, you'll see uh, higher art. You don't have to worry about higher RTOs or RPOs. Again, it, it, you will, you'll pretty much ensure your backups and restores are, are easier to take. And whenever, you, whenever there is failure, it's easier to uh, basically restore from whatever the backup that you've taken. And it's a single platform. Uh, you can manage everything, your clusters from a single place. And it's basically uh, offering data protection, uh, basically gives you scheduled backup option to uh, take scheduled backups. You can uh, have your retention schedules. You can do pre post backup hooks. You can have custom actions. You can do a lot of uh, things on the data protection side from a data migration perspective. You can migrate uh, from on-prem to cloud, from cloud to uh, on-prem and uh, there's, there's Nice use cases, KPS solving for uh, data migration. Again, for DR uh, disaster recovery, uh, you always want to reduce the time uh, that it takes to recover from infrastructure failures or data corruption or any outages. So uh, KPS is definitely uh, solving some of the problems there. And uh, it is just extending the capabilities of Valero. Valero doesn't, does not have a UI today and a uh, lot of limitations with Valero, but what Cape has done today is they have enhanced Valero's uh, features, uh, current features, and they've added a lot of new features to uh, Valero. And now you can basically take, uh, perform uh, backups and restore from on-prem or cloud storage environments. You can backup either the application or the data, or you can do both. Like you can uh, backup both the application and, and data. And again, you can set up on-demand, schedule backups. Again, I can do that daily, weekly, whatever my requirements are, I can pretty much uh, do that with Cape. And uh, if, I want to, uh, if I want to look at full backups or incremental backups, that is still possible uh, with Cape. And good thing is I can restore uh, the backup uh, to the same cluster, or I have the option of uh, restoring the backup to another cluster. Uh, 
uh, whether it is again on-prem edge or running on cloud. Uh, so CAPE is making uh, it easier uh, for disaster recovery, for uh, protection, for migration. And some, some use cases, uh, I mean, they talk about it on their website as cluster upgrades. Again, they've made, uh, not, not every customer wants to upgrade to latest version, but it, again, it is a best practice that you pick an upgrade to latest version. But again, uh, some, some legacy customers always want, like, if it's running, why do I have to upgrade? So for such customers, uh, for uh, migration perspective, the CAPE is also solving, like they can uh, back up their current workloads and then upgrade their uh, cluster versions and then directly uh, restore the workloads on the new new version, new cluster version. So CAPE is uh, definitely a, a beneficial solution is what I see here. And before I, uh, I talk about why CAPE, uh, again, uh, a lot of customers and a lot of users today use Project Valero for backup, uh, restore, disaster recovery. But a lot of uh, users have uh, gotten and, and they told, hey, there's no UI for uh, doing backup and restore. And uh, Valero needs an empty namespace for uh, restoring your uh, workloads on, onto the same cluster or new cluster. And I cannot send backups to multiple locations today with uh, Valero because Valero is a single tenant uh, installation like it runs on every Kubernetes cluster, but I cannot send the same backups to multi multiple locations. And uh, I can only do namespace mapping between the source and destination, uh, but, uh, but what if I want uh, to migrate uh, certain pieces? Like if I, when I'm migrating, I want to map uh, ingress changes. I want to change the storage classes because if I'm migrating from cloud to on-prem, uh, in my on-prem, I may be running an NFS-based storage, but cloud, it's a different storage, but I need that uh, mapping. Uh, Valero currently supports namespace mapping and uh, it's designed for single tenancy. And uh, right now, uh, read-write and read-only storage locations, uh, unfortunately with Valero, we cannot have those mixed options. It's the same case with CAPE as well, uh, but CAPE is not solving all the Valero limitations, but some of them, uh, CAPE, they have enhanced Valero's features. And I'll quickly talk why CAPE. Uh, again, uh, you can override workloads today. Uh, it's not possible with uh, Valero because it, it looks for the namespace and you want that namespace to be empty. But with CAPE, uh, you can pretty much uh, overwrite uh, whatever workloads are sitting in that namespace today. And it's easy install experience. When I do the CAPE demo, uh, I'll show how easy it is to uh, install CAPE. What I'll be doing today is I'll be using a couple of uh, clusters running, uh, again, using Docker Desktop and Minikube. But again, the same installation is uh, applicable for uh, you, if you're running on uh, Azure, AWS, or Google, it's the same uh, implementation using Helm charts. And it supports multi-cluster out of the box. So uh, that's another key thing why I see CAPE as kind of differentiator here, uh, because uh, it's, it's, it's uh, handling the uh, data movement aspects, data migration aspects, and disaster recovery aspects natively. And I can do that within the UI. And it has a nice UI. Uh, I mean, every UI, uh, we all uh, tend to find bugs, but again, uh, the UI is, is definitely uh, good. And there's definitely areas of improvements for uh, in terms of UI as well. 
And a uh, good thing about Cape is uh, I can map my ingress and storage class objects during migration. When I say ingress, it's not the same ingress URL uh, for each cluster, right? I, I, for one cluster, I may have a different ingress URL. For another cluster, I'll have a different one. I can do that. I can have my uh, rules defined when I'm migrating from one cluster to the other cluster. So I can do that. And again, storage class, if I'm running on AWS, my storage class, I'm, I may be using EBS as my provisioner. Uh, but when I'm running it on-prem, my storage class will be different. So whenever I'm migrating, it gives you the nice capability of my uh, of changing these uh, ingress and storage class objects during the migration. So this is something that I personally like. And uh, again, it has community version. Uh, 10 nodes are free for life. So if you're running a 10 node cluster, doesn't matter what size, uh, you, you can definitely uh, use uh, the community edition. But again, if you are if you need more assistance and support, uh, you can reach out to BigMind uh, for help. And again, you can use Helm Chats, you can use Docker Hub, you can use Ansible, GitHub, and there's an operator uh, available today to install Cape. So uh, Definitely uh, a nice open source project. Uh, and I think a uh, lot of room to grow uh, and a lot of new features can be added to this platform to make uh, the job uh, easier for uh, admins or SREs or even system admins uh, in the organization to uh, implement backup, restore, disaster recovery and migrations easier. That's, that's all I have uh, in terms of uh, covering the content about Cape and talking about the problems. What I want to do next is quickly uh, move on to the demo where I'll stop sharing uh, the slides and uh, quickly uh, start with Cape installation and then uh, show you how the backup and restore will work. Perfect. All right. Uh, let me know if you can see my terminal. Not yet, but I'm sure very soon. You know, one thing while we're waiting is, is on the subject of operators, since you mentioned that, it seems that a lot of the conversations that we have about running data on Kubernetes, you know, operators kind of appear at one point or another. Once again, as someone who has five years experience, um, do you think as of right now, are there any other solutions apart from operators that can help make it easier for folks to run data on Kubernetes? Or do you think this is just going to be kind of the de facto standard for the next few years? I think operators have made the life easier, but again, managing the operators itself, writing the operators itself is a challenging job because not everyone comes from that development background where they can write their own operators. And a lot of uh, folks that I've interacted personally uh, are coming from infrastructure background and uh, not, not very well versed with operators. I, again, right now you can take your helm charts, you can create operators from your helm charts today. But again, uh, if you want to, uh, truly create an operator and let the operator manage the underlying software for you. It's it's not that easy today. I mean, what we have seen uh, last few years, uh, we traditionally were relying on Kubernetes manifest, Helm charts, customize. 
but I feel uh, even though the operators uh, came into existence, I still feel it's tedious for SREs to build their own operators. And again, what if your operator has problems? Again, you you still are revolving around the same sort of lens that I would. I would. What I've been doing personally is just relying on Helm charts, just, just relying on customized, just relying on uh, on using these tools, which are very popular, which has a wider community and, and getting help easily uh, in any feature that comes, uh, that I, I personally want, I'm reaching out to the community and just creating a GitHub issue and things are being worked out. So even though operators are making life easier, I still would prefer, uh, Helm charts or customized uh, to deploy my applications. And again, I'm a big fan of GitOps. So again, uh, when 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 looking at GitOps, again, uh, some operators have seen problems running uh, in the in the GitOps fashion. But again, uh, if if you're uh, already using Helm charts, customized or YAML manifest, and and are already in the GitOps space, uh, I think I would I would continue to do that and then not worry about operators much. Okay, very good. Yeah, we can definitely see your terminal now. So whenever you're ready, go for it. Uh, just want to make sure it's visible uh, for everyone. Uh, you, if you want to zoom in a little bit, if you can, that's always helpful. But uh, from what I saw earlier, it's okay. Okay. Let me see if I can. Yeah, but a, a little bit of zoom always helps. Is it good? Uh, yep. Perfect. So uh, I'll start with uh, Cape install. Right now, what I'm going to do is uh, this is my Mac. Again, Mac is very powerful. I like my Mac a lot. So I'm, I'm going to use Docker desktop. I know there's Docker uh, rate limiting issues, uh, but again, I'm not going to pull a lot of images. So uh, should be fine. So first thing, what I want to do is I want to copy the IP address. Uh, I want to get the IP address. I'm just going to run this command. Uh, this will basically get me the IP address of the machine. And next, what I'm going to do is I'm going to install uh, Nginx. Uh, again, uh, I need an ingress controller to expose my KPY. So I'm just going to install uh, Nginx uh, ingress controller. And uh, I'm going to run my alias. And I'm just gonna say kgetns, which is kubectl get namespaces. And if I say kget pods in the namespace ingress nginx, I should see my uh, ingress controller up and running. Uh, the next thing that I wanna do right now is go ahead and install uh, Cape. For that, uh, I already have a Helm chart that I basically downloaded. So uh, I have my chart YAML uh, templates. Uh, if I go to my templates, I have some custom resources and my deployment file, and I have my values file where I have passed in some uh, values. Uh, I need to go back. And I'm passing some values, but I'll be overriding some of these values uh, when I run my helm install command, I'm just gonna go ahead and do the uh, helm install. I need to go back. It did not find the uh, cape chart, now it did. Uh, it says cape is deployed. Uh, I'm just gonna create clear and do a helm ls 
and I should see Cape is uh, installed and the status says deployed. And if I just go back and do get namespaces again, I should see a Cape namespace coming up. And if I do get pods hyphen n Cape, I should see all pods up and running. Uh, there should be an ingress that should uh, be created uh, with the uh, Helm chart installed. So I'm just gonna say kget ingress hyphen n Cape. Uh, so my uh, KPUI can be accessed uh, on 192.168.1.65.nip.io. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to bring a browser here uh, and try to access the application, the KPUI. There you go. So I have my KPUI. What I'm going to do, the first step is basically uh, select the organization uh, this is an important step. Uh, whenever you want to use uh, the uh, KPUI, you will specify the organization. So I'm just going to say add new organization. And the first step that I want to do is give uh, a name to that. I'm just going to say Sanjeev org uh, and just say click complete. Uh, by default, it'll show uh, what organization it is, uh, which is Sanjeev org that I just created. Select that and you should see the uh, KPUI coming up. The first step what we need to do is before we do the backup and recovery, uh, we need to add clusters. So I'm just going to add a single cluster uh, and you have different options here. You can choose uh, Cloud Provider, Managed Kubernetes, EKS, AKS, DigitalOcean, Google Kubernetes Engine. Uh, you have Red Hat, uh, OpenShift. If you're using OpenShift, you can do Cape on OpenShift as well. But for this demo, I'm just going to click Private Kubernetes Cluster. And I have different options here. I can upload my kubeconfig or I can connect cluster using kubectl. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to use kubectl. Uh, I'm just going to give this uh, private cluster or yeah, let's keep private cluster one. I'm just going to say region, region is on-prem because this is running on my Mac. I'll just say connect uh, cluster using kubectl. And when I click connect, uh, there should be a command that you should see on the screen. You should just copy this, go back to your terminal and you can pretty much run this and it'll basically install a few components few cape components it'll configure the namespace again uh, it'll add some cluster role binding service accounts a deployment and service so if you uh, just do get pods hyphen and cape uh, i should see an agent that is basically running here uh, which just got started 14 seconds ago so if i go back and open my uh, cape ui uh, it should say successfully connected the cluster and you can you can close the tab and you should see uh, let me uh, resize this browser or let me reduce the size of it so that this looks good here so if you see I've added a cluster here which says private cluster one uh, provider is other because uh, this is a private cluster and I've chose on-prem and uh, it will tell you the number of nodes that you have. I just have a single node cluster. Uh, backups, no backup. Uh, the status of the cluster is healthy. Uh, what, uh, what I want to do next is basically for me to work on backup and uh, backups and uh, disaster recovery. 
uh, I need to install uh, some components there. Uh, but before that, I quickly want to cover uh, Federation. So if you want to create Federation, again, this is purely based on KubeFed project. You can do uh, app deployments by federating these clusters. You can create the Federation using this option. And again, you also have the option of managing components for uh, backup and restore for application management. So you'll have to come here uh, and this is how you'll see what clusters you have. Right now it says current cluster as private cluster one, but assume you have additional clusters, you'll select from the dropdown here and uh, you're gonna install uh, the backup and restore operator. I'm not gonna show this from here. What I'm gonna do is go to clusters and then under component section, there is a button called install. Uh, and there's some other options here. You can edit the cluster, you can schedule backup, you can manage components, reconnect, disconnect. So there's some options that you can see uh, in the UI uh, for from the KPUI basically. Click on install and this will directly take you to the manage component section. And uh, again, showing the uh, private cluster one, which is a cluster that I've just uh, added to the KPUI. And I'm just gonna click on install. Uh, and here uh, it'll ask you uh, different options, select backup location, uh, you, you use existing backup, we don't have anything, so I'm just going to click on add new backup location. Uh, you can choose different cloud off options here, Ali Cloud, AWS Azure, GCP uh, or Hawaii basically. Uh, but what I'm going to do for this demo purposes is use Minio. Minio is uh, again an in-cluster uh, solution wherein you can have a persistent storage solution or uh, where you can store your data. So I'm just going to choose Minio here. Uh, and uh, the backup location name, I'm just going to give backup one. Uh, bucket name, again, I'm just going to give backup one. Uh, bucket prefix, you don't need that. Uh, access, uh, I'm just going to call my cluster name and secret key. Uh, again, you can give any uh, secret key uh, value here. I'm just going to keep something private here. Yeah, do remember uh, what you're using. Again, your backup location is backup one, uh, bucket name is backup one. Access key, I just named the cluster name as access key and secret key is whatever your choice. So I'm just gonna click on next. Uh, here, Restic is again, uh, it's, it's, it's a nice cloud agnostic uh, where you don't have snapshot features in your on-premise environments you wanna install. Uh, you wanna take snapshots where you don't have that native availability, you can enable Restic, uh, Restic and that'll basically take snapshots of your persistent volume. So. Uh, again, location of your host path right now, it's warlib kubelet pods. And uh, if you want uh, privileged, again, this is for OpenShift, uh, but again, just uh, enabling Restic should be good for uh, this demo. And it'll, gi it'll give you all the information for review. Uh, backup location is gonna be Minio, which is running on, on the cluster itself, backup na bucket name, access key, secret key. Uh, and RESTIC enabled uh, true or false and then gives you the host path. And I'm just gonna click on install. It's just gonna check for some uh, role-based access control permissions. Uh, it'll, it'll install the Cape Valero operator and after that it'll do the uh, Minio install. And once that is done, we are uh, good to get started on uh, backup and recovery.
just waiting for uh, this to complete and again in the back end uh, as we talked during our uh, presentation Cape is basically uh, using Valero in the back end but again uh, helping with backup and restore uh, from a UI perspective, you can use Cape UI to uh, perform backup and restore and even work on disaster recovery scenarios and some, ad some advanced use cases with Cape. So we'll just wait for uh, Valero to install. And once this is done, we can quickly uh, take a look at uh, a sample application that we can deploy what I'll do is I'll uh, deploy uh, Postgres I'm gonna uh, use Bitnami Helm chart again uh, you can you can uh, easily get this uh, from uh, the uh, Helm repository right now uh, it says K backup and restore operator is installed on the cluster if you want to go back and uh, look at the cluster so you should see Valero, which is installed. So I'm just gonna say uh, get pods. So Valero is up and running. So Minio is part of it. Restic is for snapshots, and my Valero pod is up and running. And if I just do get pods hyphen nk, I should see a controller, uh, which is a backup and restore controller, which just got installed two minutes three seconds ago. So uh, there will be some controllers that will be uh, installed by Cape uh, on the cluster to perform backup and restore. Uh, now that all the components are up and running, uh, I'll just go ahead and quickly show uh, the cluster here again. Uh, if you see backup and restore is kind of installed, I don't see an install button here. I can go back to backups and disaster recovery right now. If you see the backup location, there is one backup location which is Minio. Uh, and if you see read write access, it's pretty much with cluster one, private cluster one. So what I'm going to do is uh, before I click on backup, uh, I'm going to install a few things on the cluster, which is Postgres. Uh, for that first, what I'm going to do is I'm going to just add a Helm repo, which is uh, I want I'm, I'm going to be using Bitnami. So it says it already exists, which is good. So what I'm going to quickly do is install Postgres and uh, it's just a simple Helm install command and I'm going to use the Bitnami Postgres SQL uh, Helm chart and I'm just setting the Postgres SQL password as password. Alright, it says uh, deployed and uh, what I'm going to do next is uh, I need to expo export my uh, Postgres password. Uh, what I'm going to run is I'm just going to run this command. Just gonna copy this. Two 
two steps here pretty straightforward so I'm just gonna run the export Postgres uh, if I do echo dollar Postgres underscore password that's the password that I passed in using the set command uh, in the helm install and next I'm just gonna run a client this this should basically open a PostgreSQL client it should open a prompt Give it a minute. I'm just going to press enter. Uh, that's where I'm in. I'm inside. Uh, the uh, PostgreSQL client uh, what I'm gonna do is uh, I'm gonna create a, a simple database called uh, example and uh, if I, I should see uh, an example database created there uh, what I'm gonna do right now is create a table Give me just a second. created the uh, database give me just a second computer is kind of slow I just created I'm just gonna create a table here So if I just do select star from users, I should see a couple of users that I have created here. Uh, what I'm going to do right now is uh, basically exit from this client or I'm just going to open a new terminal here and run this alias command again. And if you see I have uh, my PostgreSQL client running and my Postgres and if you see my PVC I have a Postgres persistent volume that I created uh, with capacity 8 gig again this is by default when I install the Helm chart 
uh, and if you see the storage class is hostpad so if I do get storage class uh, it's hostpad by default because I'm using docker desktop on my Mac and the provisional is docker IO hostpad uh, and this is about the persistent volume that got created and I'm just gonna do get PV and if you see uh, the status is bound uh, reclaim policy is delete so what I'm gonna do is I just created uh, the database called example uh, and created a table called users and I've added inserted some uh, values into the table uh, John and Jane uh, now what I'm gonna do is go back to KPY and quickly uh, take a backup so backups and uh, disaster recovery come under backup you can click on create backup you should see from cluster uh, I'm just gonna name this BKP1 uh, and select I'm gonna just say specific namespaces so you you have the option of choosing all namespaces or specific here I have a lot of namespaces so I'm just gonna select uh, the default because that's where my Postgres is running and if you see uh, I'm gonna uh, it, you have the option of select backup storage type so you can either include persistent volumes in backup or exclude persistent volumes in backup so I'm just gonna say include persistent volumes because I need this and if you see there's a PV a persistent volume that is showing up which is uh, the PV for PostgreSQL and I'm gonna just click on next and you have the option of one-time backup or you can have a recurring again uh, this is a nice option that I like and again you can do it on a schedule you can do use a manual cron expression and you can select the option year month week day hour minute so this is a nice feature uh, what I'm gonna do right now is just use one time for now and I'm just gonna click create and if you see uh, in the UI it says the backup is in progress and uh, once it is completed uh, you should see uh, that the backup is now complete and if you go back to backup locations this is where we are storing, storing everything on Minio and I just created a backup and now I need to restore but before I, need, I, need, I restore I need to uh, make sure uh, I, I clean up or delete my Postgres running on the cluster so I'm just gonna come back here and just say uh, kget pl I am just gonna go ahead and delete my PostgreSQL it's a stateful set running so I'm just gonna say kdelete sts which is stateful set I'm just gonna pass this and if I just do get pods you should see my Postgres uh, terminating let's run a watch just gonna take a minute or two
just waiting for it to terminate. Yeah, so I don't have a stateful set up and running right now. Uh, there's just a client running. I'm just gonna go ahead and delete the client too. Uh, because when I do the restore, anyhow, I'm gonna connect to the client again. So I'm just gonna delete the client. For this demo, what we're doing is we're not uh, doing the backup restore on another cluster, uh, but again, just the focus was to showcase uh, how Cape works and how to perform backup and restore. But again, you can add another cluster to the Cape UI and you can perform backup and restore easily. And I've shared some instructions in the uh, PowerPoint uh, and there's some nice tutorials created by BigMind uh, to perform uh, cross-cluster backup and restore as well. So the client is gone, so I don't have anything in, in my default namespace. What I'm gonna do is go back to my uh, KPUI and I'm gonna say uh, restore, or you, can, you don't have to come to restore again, you can do from here itself, you can do a restore. Uh, you can, again, it'll, it'll take you to the uh, restore section. All right, I'm all right. I'm just gonna some UI uh, issue with some UI, so I'm just gonna do a restore, and uh, I'm just gonna say the name of the restore is restore one. It's a one-time backup, and it should show backup one. This is where uh, we have taken the backup, and I'm just gonna click next and select namespace. It's gonna be default because that's the namespace that we uh, packed up. Uh, and I'm just gonna leave all resources and this is where it gets very interesting resource mapping rules so uh, you can create new or select from previous rules for example you can you can right now today you can do ingress class and storage ingress and storage class again you can select namespaces your cluster name uh, for example your fully qualified domain name from current cluster to target cluster you can do that and you can apply to all objects or a specific object so it's a nice thing uh, which is uh, very good when you're especially restoring on your target cluster but for now uh, i'm just gonna skip this and uh, moving on to uh, uh, volumes I just want to restore my volume so uh, I'm just gonna restore everything from this backup and I'm just gonna click on restore and you should just say I agree again after you do that uh, it just takes a few seconds for your uh, restore to complete again it is using uh, the backup that we created here and uh, we just restored it back to the cluster so it says completed so if i go back to my terminal and say get pods yeah my postgres is up and running if i do select star from users again i should see my uh, john and jane users still listed in the postgres database so i'm just gonna go ahead and clean up uh, the pod the client i'm gonna re uh, recreate the uh, postgres client by just running the uh, command here uh, and just running this postgres kubectl run command here
Okay, I didn't supply the password, so let's go ahead and supply the password. Uh, for that, I'm just gonna export uh, this password here and redo the uh, kubectl. And now if I do select star from users, I should see my data coming back, which is John and Jane. Uh, with this uh, example, what we did is we installed Postgres on the cluster and we used Helm chart, Bitnami Helm chart to install Postgres and we used Cape to basically perform uh, backup for the persistent volume, uh, especially for the Postgres SQL. And then we came here, deleted the client and Postgres running on the cluster just to uh, simulate a failure. And then we went back to the KPUI and did the restore from there. And now I am able to do select start from users. I'm able to see the same data. So this uh, showcases a nice backup and restore uh, features uh, using KPUI. And again, uh, there's some additional uh, use cases with KPUI. You can do application deployments and application management across clusters and even backup and restore across clusters. But again, thanks a lot for joining uh, today's presentation. And I hope uh, you liked uh, KPUI demo. And uh, please feel free to uh, reach out to the community if you have any questions. Thanks. So Sanjeev, I hope that you can see my, I'm going to share my screen really quickly because as tradition uh, obliges us, if we've done 100 live streams, I don't know how many pieces of art and rap and music and different things like that that we've done, but it's been quite a few. And it's one of the things that really makes us, gives us a unique identity as a community. Um, so I'm going to share my screen really quickly because while you were talking, we had our wonderful graphic recorder, Angel, who's always with us in the shadows, lurking in the background. So he created this drawing of the different things that you were talking about, about the different kinds of problems and then solutions, starting from the very beginning of what you were mentioning about you know, persistent volumes, all the things that give us a sort of backbone of running data on Kubernetes, then moving on further into the specific elements that are provided by Cape. Um, so I think it's a nice drawing and we'll be, we'll be definitely sharing that with you. And um, like I said, thank you very much for your time today. And we'll definitely be sharing um, the the rest of the demo once that once that's get once that once that gets up and running. And thank you to everyone in our audience for asking great questions. And we can definitely continue the conversation on Slack. So take care and have a good one. All right. Thank you. Bye bye. bye. Cheers.